Hello, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. My name is Jonathan Faduba, and as always, I'm joined by my esteemed colleague and friend, Steve Wiss. Steve, how are you, my friend? I'm doing all right, thank you, Jonathan. Good to have you on the introductions for once, actually. Um, smooth tones of yours to to start the episode off, but uh, I'm doing all right. I'm a busy man these days, and I know you are as well. Uh, but yeah, keeping well, and there's been a lot of football recently. Well, I normally take inspiration from you. You know, you're very businesslike on the intro, so uh, you know it's good to. I think you, I think you set the tone well. But yeah, I'm happy to happy to swap, <laughs> rotate every now and then. Squad rotation. Um, we are this week. We have got a, you know an, a, an exciting show, hopefully for listeners, um, a lot to talk about. And of course, we're on the home stretch really in both our seasons now. World Cups coming, and uh, the seasons in Norway and Sweden are close to an end. And we're going to start in Norway this week because, uh, of course, we did mention it on the last show that it was nearly an inevitability, needed some sort of miracle. Um, but there was no miracle to be found in Norway. And we do have new champions of Norway. And that's where we're going to start this week. Steve, present the champions to us. Who are they and what happened this weekend? And let's just talk about the champions for a little bit. Yes, they were knocked off the Top of the table the last two years by Buda Glimt. But Molder FK are back in the gold medal enclosure. They have won the Elite Assyrian title and uh, they did it to, by beating Lillestrom with the last kick of the game, actually. They won 1-0. Not that they needed to win. A draw would have been sufficient for them, but they have now won 12 consecutive league games. They actually, I had my uh, tweet drafted, actually, 10 minutes from the end. So I had to change it when they scored a goal, which annoyed me. But um, yeah, congratulations to Mulder. They are now on 66 points and they're 15 clear of Buda Glimt and there's only four games left. So a uh, great achievement for the club. I think it's 21 matches unbeaten now for Mulder. And like I say, they won the title three years ago and they're back now on top of uh, the standings in Norway. So we obviously offer them a massive congratulations from all of us here at the Nordic Football Podcast. Yeah, there was an interesting scenario yesterday where uh, I think Rosenborg had played and they were second, but they were mathematically out of the title race. And I remember looking at the table and thinking, wait a minute, it's done, isn't it? Um, but then obviously uh, Bode Glimm had that game on the in the evening match. Uh, and as you said, you know, they needed to they needed a result, uh, which they got. But of course, Mulder uh, did the job uh, uh, to get that title w- w- win done. I mean, it's um, it has been coming. But I think if you'd been listening to this podcast as a regular listener for the last two, three years, you'd have heard a lot about Buda Glimt. Um, you know, the new kids on the block. We talked so much about them. Uh, Mulder have knocked them off their perch, Steve, after, after two years back to back from Mulder. We thought maybe a three-peat would, would take place. Uh, I don't think you actually did in the season preview, did you? But um, I, mm, what's, I, I didn't you know, predict what's this. the story behind this Mulder uh, turnaround? Yeah, I predicted Mulder in third place this season, actually. I predicted Budaglimp to win it, Rosenborg in second, which everyone laughed at that prediction, Rosenborg. Um, and I, I think I've been proven right by them that they've been better than a lot of people expected. Um, but I didn't see Mulder winning the title myself, and I certainly didn't see them winning winning it at a you know a country mile. Uh, it was an absolute canter for them, really, in terms of that. But remember the start of the season, the ro- the garden wasn't that rosy for Mulder. They they lost some games early doors. I'm just looking back now. 
Uh, they lost it against Lillestrom at home. They lost against Viking at home 4-3, and they were 3-0 up in that game. And I think after that, I, I definitely criticised them a few times. I wasn't too keen on this change of formation to a 3-4-3 system that they've been working very hard on in the off-season. And I didn't see the need for it. They had a very successful 4-2-3-1 for the last three or four years. And I didn't really get it, but they just managed to win a few fixtures. They sort of nicked a couple of 50-50 games, which on another day might have been a draw. And then, crucially, they beat Budaglimt at home, three goals to one. And in that game, I think we all saw why they, they, they switched to this three at the back system. And it was almost a copycat of Jose Mourinho, how they got the better of Buda Glimt last year, finally, in the uh, Conference League. And um, it's quite clear that Mulder had, had been obsessed about trying to knock Buda Glimt off their perch. So they were definitely going to make sure they, they cut the six points off them in the league this year. And a byproduct product of that is I don't think some other teams have been able to handle them as well as, as others might have thought. Uh, so it was kind of a bonus about that. They did have a couple of uh, strange draws in the, in, in the middle of summer. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're on an incredible winning run now. But um, all credit has to be given to the manager, Erling Moo, who I've always praised on this podcast. And uh, once again, he's uh, he's shown excellent man management skills. They've, they've had a tough European run in terms of qualification and, and the group stage. And he's rotated the team really around uh, well. They've had injuries as well to deal with. It's not been plain sailing. But now we have to praise him from a tactical perspective as well, along with his man management skills. But tactically, he has nailed it this year in, in the Elite Serien for sure. And now, you know, it's up to the rest of the, the team to respond next year. Yeah, fantastic achievement from Erling Moo. I'm going to ask you a little bit about it in a minute because I know you you have definitely talked him up many times um, in on this podcast for sure. And uh, it seems like you've vindicated um, for Mulder, of course, this is a continuation of a um, maybe, you know, maybe sort of a golden era for them in, in, to a certain extent. They are, this is their now fifth uh, Elitisarian title, fifth time they become Norwegian champions in their history. Uh, first title was in 2011, would you believe? Um, I think that was under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I might be right in saying. Um, and 2012, 2014, 2019, and now 2022. Um, Erling Moo was an assistant during 2015 to 2018. He's, he's, he's quite an interesting character. I mean, he, he didn't have much of a playing career. Uh, played for a team called Treif, I think. Um, but he, uh, I think he, did he retire when he was 26? Um, according to Wikipedia, he's a lifelong Coventry City fan. I don't know if that's true. But um, <laughs> he, he managed Treif for three years and then Christiansen and then Mulder from 2015. Um, we talked a lot about you know managers like Kit Jorg Knutsen. You know, we talked about Salz during the past, we've talked about a lot of managers, but Mo, I feel like we haven't, I feel like he's still a little bit mysterious. Um, Steve, can you just you know, you mentioned there the tactical tweet, for example, you know, what kind of manager is he? You know, character wise, what's he done to sort of like you said, they, they, they had Budenkin in their sights, what's he done to sort of rally this team and just tell us a bit more about him as a character and that kind of thing. You are right in, I think this is a bit of a golden era for the club. Let's be honest, if Buda Glimt hadn't had their almost miraculous emergence, Mulder would have won four consecutive league titles in all probability. So, yes, it is very much a golden era for them. And, and Erling Moo, I think, is a manager who does go under the radar. I, I think he's underappreciated a lot. 
he's taken some criticism in the last couple of years for getting beaten to the title by Buda Glimp. Certainly last year, I think it felt like one that got away because they were in a similar position this this campaign has last that they got themselves a lead. Of course, last year they blew it, but he made sure they didn't do that this particular year. And I, I tell you what, I've always rated this man in terms of motivation, man management within the squad. I've always enjoyed his his, uh, his rotations and things like that. And it's clear he has a good relationship with his players. I've always seen that. I think the players have always fought really hard for Erling Moo and, uh, and played really hard for him. I never really had him down personally as this great tactician, though, to be honest, because they say they always played 4-2-3-1. And that in itself is, I kind of admire that because a lot of the best managers, they've always kept the same formation throughout the whole career, haven't they? And it works. If, if it isn't broke, why fix it? And he made this big decision to change from 4-2-3-1 to a variation of what, 3-5-2, 3-4-3, whatever you want to call it. Three at the back system. And um, that, that takes some balls, I think. It's brave. You know, you move away from something that you used to throughout your whole life. And um, I think there's no doubt about it. The focus of their hunger has been on Buddha Glimt all winter. And they were desperate to, to get on. They, they played them three times this season. They beat them three times. They won the Norwegian Cup final, of course, as well. And they kept that was 1-0. And I think they've really restricted Buda Glimp twice, 3-1 and 4-1 in the league. So they've only conceded twice, two goals against them in three games, which is is really good. And, you know, when you're that hell-bent on, on revenge, it can do a lot of things for you. And um, I think there's no doubt they've played some magnificent football in those games. They've targeted uh, Glimt and, and Erling Moo. He's a quiet sort of guy. He doesn't. He's not the out, sort of outspoken figure like some of these managers are. And, um, you know, he just gets on with his own business, really. You know, he's the sort of bloke that when, when he speaks, you listen to him. And, uh, you know, he hasn't been raved about like sort of Ketil Knudsen, probably because he's not like, you know, the tactical perspective. He's not seen as this tactical maestro or anything like that. But um, he deserves a lot of credit. And um, I would certainly rate him very, very high. I always have rated him highly. And I, I, I said, you know, even though they haven't won the title the last two years and they were the favourites, stick with the man. He, he will deliver things for them. And this formational change, um, mm. was that literally just inspired by, by Glimt? Or was that kind of, you know, what what, what made him change the, the, the tactics? Was it literally just a chat? Because I remember you said that he, he kind of tried to match them and learned a lot maybe from Mourinho uh, in the mm. recent pod. Um, was that literally the, the rationale at the start of the season? Or um, I know you said, obviously, he changed it as it went along and it, that took some bravery. But... Was that kind of his decision, the coaching staff? Like, what, what was the rationale behind that that change? And, and was that the key to the season, do you feel? Well, what he said, the official line from him at the start of the season or at the beginning of the season was they wanted some more better defensive rigidity and, and structure. And, and that's why, you know, you move to three at the back, you, you should, in theory, be more s secure and safe. And the initial start of the season, it wasn't great. They could say they conceded those four goals to Viking. Um, but they were you know, there was a couple of clean sheets early doors as well, which were quite impressive. And I I I, I definitely put it down to you know I, I think that was pretty accurate that he wanted better defensive rigidity. Then they played Buda Glimp twice in fairly quick succession, league and cup, and then I'm suddenly realising, do you know what? I think he's just done this formation just to match up to to Glimp. I think it was a massive, massive reason. Not the only reason. There'd have been other factors as well. But there's no doubt at least 25-30% of the reason to change this formation was to basically get a better matchup against Buda Glimp, who 
that you know, Molden might have thought that this was going to be a really close title and that the, the results between themselves and Glimp would might decide the title. It hasn't been that way, but I think the two times they beat them, well, three times they beat them, were massive hammer blows. So I do definitely think it was a major factor in why he decided to switch. Yeah, and just looking at it from a you know uh, tactical point of view, statistical point of view, uh, our partners, Wire Scout, Mulder had the highest XG in the league. They, didn't, they haven't actually scored the most goals. Uh, Glimt have scored the most goals, but Mulder do have the highest XG in the league. Um, they've also got the best expected goals against. So from a statistical point of view, you could argue that you know it's a thoroughly deserved title. Um, interestingly enough, they're not they're not that high at all in the league for possession. Uh, they're the sixth highest team in in possession, which is which is nearly mid table really. Uh, for the you know 16 team elite to Syrian, but Buda Glimt 59.8% average ball possession, Molder just 51.8%. That's lower than Sandefjord, for example. Um, but of course, they've they, they found a way to grind things out. Uh, they are an attacking side, uh, as I've mentioned, they were the XG, uh, second in the league for touches in the box. Um, not huge dribblers either, not huge crosses of the ball either, they're quite low in the league for, for crosses. Uh, Sarpsborg, by the way, are number one for that, which is interesting. But um, then again, Glimt aren't, aren't, you know, Glimt are fourth and, and, and Mulder are sixth for crosses. So yeah, just to, it gives you a bit of an insight into kind of maybe the style, how they how they try and play the game. Um, the second for touches in the box uh, compared to Glimt, who are top. Um, Steve, I want to just ask you for some key men behind this title triumph. I mean, you know, you can run me through the whole score because obviously every single player at the club deserves a huge amount of credit even the squad players and things like that, it's always a team effort. But, you know, could you just touch on two or three names that maybe you feel have been fundamental to this 2022 gold medal for, for Mulder? Yeah, I, I think I'm going to give you three or four names here. And um, I'm going to start with my man, David Datro Fafana, <laughs> who um, I'm not sure of his exact statistics, but what he has done... Look, he's the one player in this team that's got tremendous athleticism and pace, and he's too good physically for the elite Assyrian defences. Simple as that. His burst of acceleration is unbelievable, and he, he, he enables him to stretch games. And whilst his finishing hasn't always been there, you know, when you've got that sort of threat, you just have to respect it, don't you? And I think it puts fears into, fear into defenders. You know, you often hear pundits, ex-pundits talk about or ex-players say they just really feared that speedster who could get past some Mark Overmars back in the day, someone like that. And uh, so I think he's been a key player and I think he probably is their top scorer. I'm not actually sure who the top scorer is. I think it's Fofana. Um, he should, whatever, however many goals he's got, he probably should have five or six more. But for me, the key difference between themselves and Glimp has been the defence. So for me, it's been some defenders that have stood out for Mulder and the goalkeeper, actually, Jakob Karlstrom, who I think has had a very solid season under the radar. And I, it wasn't a transfer that I was a big fan of. I said at the start of the show, I, I, I thought they could have done better than him. They got him in from Tromso, and I thought they'd be, they would have been, you know, they could have looked abroad, perhaps, for a, a replacement in the goalkeeper. But he's done brilliantly, Jakob Karlstrom. I think he, he's, he saved him at crucial times and been very professional. He, I can't ever remember him making a mistake this season which is a testament to a keeper. But and then in, in defence, I think um, Martin Linez, the right wing-back, has had a tremendous year, both defensively and offensively. He's contributed with a lot of assists, some goals. And, you know, from a defensive point of view, his experience has been excellent. 
and a shout out definitely to Benjamin Hansen, who they signed from Hargersund. And another, they, they definitely, you know, they signed, they had a great transfer window back in the winter. It, at the time, it looked to me like a pretty average one. But it, looking back, it's, they really did sign some excellent players. Uh, Benjamin Hansen and Eric Horgan from Ostersunds. I didn't like that transfer either. This is a guy that's come from a relegated team. Um, but they've is both been really I, solid. I, I do like him, though. I think he's a good Yeah, player. I know. I remember you said you liked him. I, I didn't like that. I never liked uh players who've been relegated but um yeah i didn't i didn't expect him to be as good as as solid as he's been but benjamin hansen the big man from hargerson has had a very very solid year and you know that whole defense you can't question it it's been the best defense in the league burke reeser as well you know who's a converted basically left back left winger into into sort of left center back so really it's a defense for me jonathan the the offense has been rotated around quite a lot and there's some very talented players but there's also been injuries um, in that in that offense um, and and defense for that matter, but uh, for me, Martin Linares has had a fantastic year, and he, he like I said before, he's a candidate for me for player of the whole season. But um, there's been some really under even now probably underappreciated players um, where they they've, they fix their defense. They they actually used to be involved in so many shootouts, and they don't do that now. They they control matches more. They don't want matches to become shootouts and like basketball games, and they've been better results wise for it. Yeah, we also have to give a bit of a shout out. Probably, well, I mean, it's like I said, you know, the whole squad deserves praise, but we have to give mm. a shout out to maybe Marcus Andre Casso, who's got nine goals for them. Ola Brynhildsson, uh, he, 23 year old, 16 games, nine goals. That's a pretty decent return. We also have to just give also one shout out to Magnus Wolf Eichram, um, who's had, you know, a really tough time of it, hasn't he? Steve, personal circumstances. Um, do you want to just briefly explain? Um, you know, there was a lot of talk about it on social media after, after they won the title. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, his wife died um, recently uh, after a, a long battle with illness, I do believe. And there was a minute silence before the Arlison game. But he's been very, very professional. And, um, and let's not forget, he, he also had injury problems in the middle of summer. You know, he always has some injury issues each year. But his experience and technical class, there still isn't a better technical player in the league than Magnus wolf Ikram. And um, he, he's been incredibly professional, um, a great driver of the team you can tell that he's the heartbeat of the team uh, really everyone looks up to him and respects him and I think that extra bit of emotion might have just helped the squad as well a bit you know who knows what you don't know what's going on behind the scenes but this sort of thing can galvanize a squad can't it I think they're quite a close-knit squad at Mulder and um, everything's just worked perfect for them this year and uh, I can't praise them high enough yeah and we send our condolences to you know Magnus Wolf and his family um I remember one of our early episodes, Steve. I think it was what was it, the Wolf of Wall Street? I think that I think we called it. Um, he's been around the Wolf Must can... Stay, wasn't that an episode? Yeah, he was Wolf in Must Stay. That was it. I'm when glad he, he stayed in Norway. He's, he's he's a pleasure to watch when he's on it. I must say. He's a stalwart of this uh, region, and uh, you know, really sad news. But um, massive well done to him for keeping his professionalism, as you said, and um, helping his team, you know, to to, to glory. Uh, they're now 15 points clear at the top of uh, Ilitas Serian. The gap is huge. Uh, plus 40 goal difference, 61 goals scored, 21 conceded, as you said, best defensive record in the league. Glimpse second. Um, but I'm going to move on to a different team, Steve. I want to talk about, and this is a, a nice little kind of segue onto the next section, I guess. But um, a bit of controversy in Norway. You know, normally it's Sweden where we have that kind of, I feel like Sweden, you tend to get the more controversy comments and things like that. 
but what we have had <laughs> this weekend has been interesting. Rosenborg, uh, who, of course, um, are a massive club in Norway, probably arguably the biggest, you could say. Some I know fans maybe listening might argue they're the biggest. Um, others will say they're not, but um, they beat Strumskosset 3-0 at the weekend. Um, and, of course, they're third in the league. They're one point behind Glimt. Uh, they're there in, with 50 points. They put out a statement on their website uh, and on Twitter uh, today. This afternoon, Steve, it went out and it says, simple, short statement, Rosenborg will not stand the guard of honour on Sunday. Now, Sunday is Molde against Rosenborg, the, the new champions against the sort of historical big boys, Rosenborg. Maybe you could argue it's kind of like maybe, um, I don't know, maybe so I'm trying to think of like an equivalent, but, you know, I can't think of an equivalent off the top of my head right now, but, you know, you sort of Bayern Munich, maybe if they just lost the title to kind of, I don't know, Werder Bremen or whoever you want to call Mulder. But I'm just going to read a bit of the statement. It says, Rosenborg has no intention of standing guard of honour at Acre Stadium on Sunday. The guard of honour is intended as an act of respect for the newly crowned league champion. We feel that Mulder is more concerned with inflicting humiliation on Rosenborg than getting deserved respect. Under no circumstances will we agree to that. <laughs> <laughs> Rosenborg congratulates Mulder's players, coaches, management and supporters on a well-deserved league championship. We're looking forward to a wonderful fight on the pitch on Sunday evening. And I think, I think reading that statement, Steve, it wouldn't surprise me if there's a fight on the pitch, uh, <laughs> off the pitch, <laughs> on the, off the bus. It's time uh, to get on the cards market the for this game, isn't it? Right? In the management team, you know, in, in the in the in the cafeteria, even um, that is a that is a. I've read some spiky statements in my time, Steve. That is that is to the point and pretty spiky. I mean, what what's going on here? I think it's quite poor, to be honest with you, from Rosenborg. Um, isn't it a, sort of a gentleman's thing down the years that the first match after a team has secured the title? that you give them a guard of honour. Even, I remember even Real Madrid did this against Barcelona back in the day and vice versa. In fact, they, you know, it, I, I think it's a bit poor. I mean, you don't have to do it, but um, it was interesting that Mulder and Buda Glimt have had um, some, uh, often a war of words on Twitter the last two or three years, but it's always felt like there's been an underlying bit of respect between those two teams. For example, I, when Mulder won the title, Buda Glimt was a big thing on their Twitter praising Mulder, congratulating them on the title. I didn't see that from Rosenborg. All right, they've put that in the statement there now today. But um, there's definitely a, quite a bit of bad blood between Rosenborg and Mulder. It just always has been. They are rivals, historical rivals, competitive rivals. And, um, yeah, I don't think Rosenborg are obviously very happy. This is now how many years since they last won the title? Five years. And... Um, it doesn't. I mean, obviously, they're they're claiming that Mulder is trying to humiliate them. I'm sorry, but you sometimes just have to do it. I think it's a poor show. Whoever Mulder were playing against this week, this weekend, I think would should give them a guard of honor. That's just the way it is in football. That's my personal opinion. You don't have to do it, but I think it's a bit of a poor show from Rosenbach there. I think the debate. I mean, I'm reading. I mean, it's caused a big stir on Twitter. Uh, a lot of people leaving comments and things like that. A lot of people agreeing with you, Stephen, saying it's poor. It's, it's bad. Bad, um, bad sportsmanship. Um, some other sort of majority of the other comments I've seen seem to sort of be a debate about if, if, has it ever been a tradition in Norway? And many people suggesting that maybe it's, it's never really been a tradition um, and that they don't need to do it. Um, I suppose it's kind of a modern thing, isn't it? It's become a modern game, maybe kind of uh, gesture. 
but you, you're right. You know, is it is it? Um, I, I guess that's the debate. You know, some has it though? I think it's often been done. It always growing up. I often saw this, and um, you know, it, it was often. I say it's not that often that titles are sewn up before the final day, anyway. In some cases, but usually it was the first match after a team had won the league. You'd give them that um, guard of honor, and if it was like. Yeah, the Real Madrid Barca thing. Sometimes they that would be given as well. If it was like, you know, El Clasico isn't often fixtured, is it? Um, that late in the year. But I remember Barcelona had the title sewn up by about March on one occasion, and Real Real did it. We, you know, grinding their teeth for sure, and I'm sure it hurt. But if they hadn't done it, then it would have just been a terrible look. So, but it, it's a very opinionated thing. Rizzoborg have made their stance here, and uh, yeah, it's going to make actually a game which. Um, Quite a spicy game, I think, now because uh, Mulder will no doubt be desperate to stop Rosenborg getting a medal and they'd love to beat them. Yes, it's gone from a sort of nothing game, really, with nothing riding on it to like now. I mean, that is those are some yeah. strong words, you know, intention of humiliation. <laughs> I uh, don't think that Rosenborg helped themselves in the last couple of years. There's been some strange stuff, hasn't there, coming yeah. out, you know, with the I just don't think the club helps itself sometimes. I really don't. It feels like they're they're really bitter about not winning at the minute. Yeah, someone on Twitter said that, that, you know, um, we've won the title 26 times. Some teams gave us a guide of honour, some teams didn't move on. That's one comment I've seen on Twitter and and, and uh, quite a lot of others, Steve, are saying like you, you know, it's uh, Rosenborg claims to be the biggest club and this is this is a poor showing of it. Uh, one of the listeners, regular, this is, well, regular sort of uh, followers that we have and we, uh, a good follower on Twitter, David Weatherston, he says, really poor that. Rivalry aside, respect their achievement with the guide of honour. Then beat them off the pitch after it, and I think, mm. I think you kind of echo those those thoughts, Steve. So yeah, um, as you said, Rosenborg twenty six times Norwegian champions, but they have not won it for quite a while. Um, Mulder and Glimt have been sort of taking over, Steve. What what do Rosenborg need to do from here? Because I mean, that is a that is a pretty like you said a pretty bitter statement. And usually, in my opinion, when you give that kind of chat, you need to be able to sort of back it up. Uh, can they beat well, yeah. Mulder this weekend? And, oh, they could and do because going forward, yeah, you know, even a third. I mean, you predicted them second. You know, you were quite high on them, but really, for for such a massive team, twenty six titles to Mulder's five, they should be aiming a bit high, shouldn't they? Well, you know, where where do Rosenborg go from here apart from Sunday? People people were saying they're going to be like fifth or sixth this year, so yeah. I think wherever they, as long as they finish in the top three, which I think they will, then it's a good year for them. But they still have Buda Glimp to play as well the week after, so that's a huge fixture. But they'll get them um, on the back of a European game. So I think they've got a good chance there. I mean, what do Rosenborg need to do to win a title? They uh, need to probably improve their defence. I think it's fair to say. Their offence has really sprung into life the last 10 games. Kasper Tenkstek signing was fantastic in the summer. They've got to hold on to him. He won't be easy to hold on to. I mean, the, the, his statistics are unbelievable since he signed for the club. So they need to keep hold of him for the whole of the next season. That's no guarantee. Um, I quite like how they've performed in the last couple of games, actually, Rosenborg. They've um, been very professional. Two clean sheets in a row. Chetel Rechdal, I think, did not enjoy the four-all draw with Christiansen. And I think it was a couple of performances which you'd have seen last season when he was manager at Hamcam, where Hamcam defensively last year in the Obos were, were incredibly tight. And I think that's what the sort of thing he wants at Rosenborg long term. I think he wants a team that can control games more rather than get involved in these, these shootouts all the time. And I've seen signs of that in the last couple of games. I mean, the XGA against Volarenga, they restricted Volarenga to 0.03 XG in that game. 
that's quite impressive against Avola and a team who've been on fire recently. So I think if they can sort of work in the off season, you don't want to lose your offense. You, you know, you don't want to be relying on like only scoring one or two goals, but if they can keep a few more clean sheets, improve their away record a little bit, because they've been brilliant at home, their away record has been a little bit patchy. Um, then they could potentially become a title challenger. The problem they've got is the last three or four years, the last three or four champions have been magnificent in terms of points totals. Um, you know, 66 already for Mulder. I don't think Rosenborg can win a title at this point in time if it's more than 62, 63. So they need to hope that those two teams and anyone else for that matter that might resurge um, don't have a, a, a brilliant season. But they can, they can definitely compete for the title if they have a good uh, winter transfer window. Yeah, and you mentioned Tanks W. We do actually have a couple of listener questions. And um, I'll start with one from uh, as Mulder of the Champions. I'll start with Lord Moldervort uh, at L Moldervort on Twitter. <laughs> what a great says, name. A great Twitter name. Um, I, I'm assuming I'm yeah, a Mulder fan. And he says, when will Sievert Manswerk dominate the Premier League? Uh, Manswerk is a 20-year-old midfielder <clears throat> playing for Mulder. He's played 21 games this season, so he's been quite prominent. Um, one goal. First of all, what kind of player is he? Uh, and... I suppose it's slightly tongue-in-cheek, but when when will he dominate the Premier League? Well, yeah, this is a player we haven't even talked about yet. He's a midfielder, and it's one of those positions that it's, it's a sometimes it's a weakness in my analysis. I don't always pick up on this sort of player. If it was you covering this league, you'd be all over him because you <laughs> love a sort of this sort of defensive midfielder role who goes under the radar. You're um, definitely the goalkeeper, but, man. I, I yeah, I'm you. just this position has just never been one I've found easy to analyse. It's just one of those things. But there's no doubt he's been brilliant um, in that middle of the park. And I'm sure he's done a lot of great actions, which I've not even noticed properly. Um, 20-year-old who um, has got a great technical ability. Don't underestimate his... Um, he scored a couple of clutch penalties early in the season, including that penalty in the Norwegian Cup final, of course, which got them the win. So I think that was a big moment for him. Um, but that midfield, you know, himself, Marcus Corsa, which is like Breivik have kind of taken over from the old guard like it's as a sign. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's been a midfield engine room, which has been young and exciting for Mulder. Manswerk, I mean, look, it's a big step up. That that position is such a hard position to play in a top league. You know, it's all well and good in, in Scandinavia and that. But, uh, you know, why not give him, a, you know, another year of development? Maybe he'll move on this, this, uh, this winter somewhere else. Who knows? But uh, dominate the Premier League... Uh, I, I, he, he might do, he, he might not. I don't really know, John. Yeah, really. He's, he's still um, very young. Fair enough. He's you can't do that very well. He's a Norway under yeah. 21, under 20 international. Sorry. Uh, keep an eye out for him. I, I might have a little watch for him because I do love a midfielder. This <laughs> definitely would be your sort of player. 100%. Yeah, he's the sort of player I'll be all over. Um, and we've got a question from At So Rare Norway as well. He says, How big must the bid be to make Rosenborg sell Holzer and Tengstedt this winter? Um, and we've also got football in Denmark, football in DK, a good friend of ours. Um, he also asked a similar question. Will Tengstead still be at Rosenborg at the start of next season? He's got a follow-up question. Um, but let's just start with Tengstead because you mentioned him. We did talk about mm. him last week. You described him as the real deal. Steve, I, do, I did say you should clip. we got to clip that that uh, little analysis he did of Tengstead. It was brilliant um, on the last show. If you haven't heard it, go back because uh, Steve gave a great analysis of Casper Tengstead, uh, his all-round game, his ability. And he did say he's the real deal. That was a quote. Um, Steve, how much will it cost, do you think, for a club looking at uh, Tengstead for next season uh, in answer to Sarera Norway and for Will and DK's question? 
And um, is he sort of maybe likely to go? You know, is it is it something that could actually happen? Definitely, because we know if, if, a, if a bigger club from abroad comes in that offers good wages, you know, why would he turn them down? How much did Eric Bottheim go to Krasnodar from Buda Glimpse? Um, was it about £6 million? Maybe I think it would take something similar to, to, to for Rosenborg. Maybe between three to £6 million, I would say. Um, but um, they, I, I think it's probably likely he will go. It almost feels like he's been too good. This sort of thing just catches the eye way too much. And there's always some... thing is, in January, it was always desperate teams out there. And they might look at this lad and think, do you know what? Let's take a punt on him. And they overpay and and then they obviously give him good wages and he's not going to turn them down. So I could see him leaving the club. Um, and as soon as rumours start flying around, the player himself, his head can get turned, can't he? So, uh, yeah, I think... Yeah, I mean, um, you're right You're right on... Uh, sorry, go on, sorry. I, I, I answer the question. I, I actually don't think he will be there at the start of next season at Rosenborg. That's wow, my, that's a, that's got a, a feeling, lies. yeah. You, you are correct. Well, roughly on Botheim, 6.75 million, according to transfer mark to Krasnodar. Mm. Uh, that's a hell of an amount of money. Uh, just to repeat, if you didn't listen to last week's show or the last story, last episode, Tengstedt's a 22-year-old uh, uh, Danish under-21 international at Rosenborg. Uh, he only joined in August from Horsens, um, but for 900,000 pounds, according to transfer mark, he's been, he's been incredible, hasn't he, Stevie? As I said, you've already called him the real deal. Um, and he's got 14 goals in 19 games. That's just outrageous. Uh, for, well, that was for Horson, sorry. And he's done even better in Elite Serie. Nine games, 11 goals, six assists, according to Transfermarkt again. So, yeah, he looks like uh, maybe you're saying he won't be there. Hopefully that answers your question. Um, Steve, very just briefly on Holzer. What would the build have to be? And just could you just explain who he is, what position? Uh, just like Holzer's a very versatile seconds. player. He can play... Pretty much anywhere out wide, he can play up front. He can play as a midfield central runner. I think he's even filled in at wing back sometimes. So he's a very versatile player, light on his feet, agile, um, got a little bit of a burst of pace. Um, I think it would probably take about a million, a couple of million, maybe a pounds, for him to move. He wouldn't take a, a huge fee, I don't think. And uh, they get some decent money for him, but uh, he's the sort of player that I reckon could be snapped up and. Um, you know, maybe would end up back in Norway in a couple of years later. So uh, that, will, that's he, will he be there next season? Going. Start next season. Probably, yeah, more chance I would say of him being there. And uh, just Henry uh, at football in DK. Second question. Um, he's he's asked a question about another player called uh, Raitan. He says, "Do you see Raitan keeping his place next year at centre back for Rosenborg?" Yeah, I think he's a really solid player. Is Erlen right and he's um, he can play right back as well. That's his primary spot. He's not a snazzy player, he's not a fanciful player. Uh, he just gets the job done. And I think, um, you know, solid and dependable. I think every team needs someone like that, don't they? So, um, absolutely no reason why he won't be uh, there and, and being a big part of the Rosenborg defense next season. And, uh, and thanks very much, Henry, for the question. We wish uh, Henry all the best with his own uh, podcast, of course, these days. Um, it's been uh, good stuff. Good to see him uh, branching out and really covering the uh, the Danish league uh, to an incredible level. Perhaps he'll have us on the show one day and it will probably be reversed. <laughs> yeah. So, no, thank you to Henry. Thank you to Asso Ren Norway. Thank you to um, Lord Moldevort 
as well. Some great questions there. We do have some questions in Sweden as well, which we'll address in part two. Um, but before we wrap up part one, uh, Steve, you've done great in this in this little section. I've enjoyed I've enjoyed your chat. Um, but let's just talk about the relegation battle mm-hmm. before we wrap up part one. Yeah. Um, some 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 big results in the week just gone. I'm just going to read out some of the results. Um, you know what, Steve? I've been listening to sort of a few other podcasts actually. Uh, shout out to the Belgian football podcast. I had listened to them, and I've been listening to one or two others. And do you know, what I noticed that they they start the episode with all the results, and I, sometimes I think to myself, like, we we kind of like drop the effort, drop the results in the middle of the show, don't we? Kind of. Oh, like, I don't. Lie, I don't really like that because let me just read out the results. For some of the key relegation games, um, Tromso three odd two, Arlison nil, Hamcam nil, Tom Dent, uh, there, Christensen nil, Haugson one, Sandyfield one, Yerv two. Um, obviously, we had six nil win for Wallerenga again, uh, sorry, for Budiglins against Wallerenga away, massive result, uh, and Viking nil, Salzburg one. Um, uh, some big results there in that, that relegation battle, Yerv really. Uh, a huge win for them, isn't it, Steve? Uh, just to keep mm. them water just about. Um, but what's it just to, your take on? I mean, if I just read the bottom five of the table, we've got 12th Arlison, 13th Hamcam, uh, we've got 29 points Arlison, Hamcam 27 points, relegation playoff, Sandefield 23 points, 14th, Christensen in the relegation uh, playoff, in the relegation zone, 15th, 18 points, and Yerv 16th, bottom of the league, 17 points. We've got four games to go. Yerv have a game in hand. They've played 25. And Arlison have a game in hand. Um, three from five there, Steve. Is it? Is it three from five now? And which three now are you? Have you changed your mind at all based on what's happened this week? I just want to uh, talk about Viking for one minute because in the last show, I gave a bit of a sensational prediction, didn't I? That they would finish as low as, was it 11th, 12th? And do you know what? It's still on. They've got Yerv next, but. They they just their results have been sh- terrible. If you look at their results, the last twenty results are shocking. Um, do you know what? That was a big win for Europe, but a, a really crucial loss for Sandefjord. I think everyone had Sandefjord down. You know, when you're penciling in who's going to beat what and who the everyone had Sandefjord down for winning that game, and I think they themselves had it down as a win. Um, massive hammer blow for them not to get three points in that game. And I'm not. I think they. <sighs> I, I think if they finish 14th, I think they're going to go down. I think that they'll lose the playoff. They just have no momentum at all. They've they're winless in 11 games, and you know they're very lucky that Christensen have failed to win the last four. Christensen, I feel, will look back at this. They've had opportunities to catch Sandefjord, and there's still five points adrift of them. Now Christensen play Yerv last game of the season, so. They've still got a good chance of three points in that one. Yerv now are only six points behind Sandefjord. If they beat Allison on Wednesday, suddenly Yerv could have the miracle. Um, but I I, I think the best that Christiansen and Yerv can do now is the playoff. Not mathematically, but uh, Hamcam and Allison were loving that uh, those results below them on Sunday. That nil-nil that they played out, that was a pretty good result for both teams, actually. I would expect Allison to beat Yerv this Wednesday to secure their survival. And Hamcam... I think are just about going to have enough. They've got a nice fixture against Godset coming up, and I would expect them to win that against Godset at home because Godset are sinking like a lead balloon as well. So that's the way I see it right now. Yerv, I still think will finish bottom. I think fourteen to fifth. I think I think that's how it finishes now. 
Christensen, I would like to see Christensen survive. I really would. I think if Christensen can get in 14th, they'll stay up. I think they'll win the playoff. I think Ham Cam or Allison would win the playoff as well if they were sucked into it. But I think Sanderfield lose the playoff game. So that's the way I, I, I see proceedings. Yeah, a massive uh, deflected goal from Diallo uh, for Yerv to give them the lead. Then Brendan uh, and uh, Ofkir got a uh, consolation in the end. Uh, it was after 12 seconds, that goal from Diallo uh, for Yerv. Incredible start. Massive sort of Frank Lampard style deflection. But um, yeah, that will be all for part one of the show of Norway. Massive congratulations to Mulder. Uh, I think since we've been doing this podcast, I believe they've won it. Is that twice now? Maybe mm. three times? Uh, it might be the third time. Yeah, I think so, John. Just quickly before we finish this section, Starbeck are now two points away from automatic promotion in the Obosl again. And uh, congratulations this evening to Frederikstad, who have now officially escaped relegation. The big, biggest, probably the biggest, one of the biggest clubs in Obos, Frederikstad, will be in Obos again next year. Let's see them. Branner up this year. Let's see Frederikstad go up next year, because I really want to talk about Frederikstad on this Nordic Football podcast a lot more. Yeah, and just on the Sanderfield Yerv game as well, I saw your comment, I uh, saw your sort of tweet exchange with Sean Constable, a uh, good friend of the pod, and I've seen uh, I've seen reports coming out today that he's been linked with the Exeter City job doing the rounds on uh, on Twitter. Um, so let's see how that goes. But of course, a uh, good shout out to our good friend there. Uh, we, it's actually more than one it twice since we've been doing this podcast, Steve. We, we, uh, we haven't been doing it that long, um, 2019 and 2022. So well done to them. Um, maybe we're a good omen for them because they've never finished below second since we've done this podcast. That's amazing. Right. Isn't it? Yeah. I think I'm right in saying that. 2017, 18. The Mulder 19. era. No, there was one year when they had Haaland, they were a bit lower. Yeah. You know, like well, second. That was as low as they went. Really? Is it? I don't think they've... There was maybe one year. Maybe I got that wrong. I might be wrong mm-hmm. there. 17, but, 18, um... 20 and 21, they finished runners-up. Right, 19, fair play. 18, they won the league, so... Fair play. Coming up in part two, um, and the shout out to obviously Tom Dent as well. They're battling away with Hamcam. Uh, in part two, we'll talk about Sweden. There's no champion yet, but we have had some big developments. Uh, we will talk about all that after this short break. Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss and I'm with Jonathan for Dugba. On to Alsvenskan matters, uh, Jonathan, now. And, you know, the last time we talked, it was probably still, what, a five-way battle for the title, certainly four-way battle. And you could hardly, you know, fit anything between the teams. But there is now some daylight at the top of the standings. And the daylight is for Hecken who with four games left to play have a five-point gap. They will never have a better chance to win the Alsvenskan, will they, Jonathan? Talk us through the results of the last couple of rounds that have impacted the top of that table. Yeah, huge uh, few weeks of developments. Uh, I think that um, you're right, Steve. Uh, is this is this the year of Bick or Hacken? Is this the year of the B? Is this the year, you know, like the Wu-Tang Killer Bees? Um, is this the year that the title goes to Hissing and my former home? Um, 
uh, yeah, they obviously I think they had a they had a bad few results before, when we recorded the last show. Uh, you know, they 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 had struggled in certain games to put teams to bed. Uh, Steve, they they kind of um, gone off the boil a little bit. They, there was a few games where they hadn't taken advantage of it. You know, for example, Kalmar they drew. They, they they drew a lot of games, a lot of big games, and, and we did discuss it, didn't we? Is it is it is it now over for them? And I did say on that show that maybe when they start playing the bigger teams, it might actually suit them. Um, now, obviously, I'm not going to say Gisunsa are a big team, but you know, the week before that, Steve, they went to Yogarden and won one nil, and a massive result for them. Uh, that was to beat uh, Diff, their biggest title rival, in their own back garden. Um, and then they followed it up this week, again, just gone with a win, 4-1 win against Gif Sundsvall, pretty comfortable uh, against the bottom team in the league, uh, the worst team in the division, you know, based on points. Um, so although they've drawn four of the last six games, uh, they haven't lost since July at home to to, 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 their, to Jurgen, of course. So one thing you can say about Hacken is they're not, they're not maybe, you know, although they've been drawing games of late, they've, they've, they've not lost. And this has been the hallmark of their season, Steve. They've only lost two yeah. games all season. They managed to hang in there at times. You know, obviously, I mentioned that four-run, four-draw streak. You know, they went to Varberg and drew. They, they drew at home to Hammerby. Um, they drew away at Kalmar. They drew at home to Degafors. And we thought, wow, this, you know, they, have they thrown it away here? But, Steve, they're top of the league. And there's not long left. <laughs> the, the They've got some tough fixtures, though, haven't they? The excitement the is rising. Not easy. The excitement is rising in Gothenburg. They do have some tough pictures. They're five points clear, but I mean, three out of four wins and they're champions. Uh, yeah, to repeat, the they've bag, never won. It, they've never won or spent scan in their history. This well, is the most points. Yeah, this is a Leicester City style situation, Steve. This is historically one of the smallest teams in Gothenburg. You can compare them to sort of Orgrita Geis. Uh, Orgrita have multiple Swedish champions la- floundering these days in the second division, but. And the mighty EF Core Jotterborg, uh, who can only dream of winning a title this moment in time. Um, but could it be the tiny sort of uh, region of Hissing and Bickle Hacken's year? The next four games, Steve, Hacken, uh, AIK away, Malmo at home, EF Core Jotterborg away, the Derby, and then North Shopping at home. Now that is, you know, I've said that they, they sometimes do better against the bigger teams, but that is, that's going to, they're going to earn this title. They're going to win it. But they are on the home stretch. Um, a really sort of nice day out. Uh, there was a nice uh, scene on Twitter. Blair Turga, I think his daughter, his little baby daughter. He, uh, there's a video that went kind of viral, and I think it was announced that the Swedish FA are going to investigate it or something. I don't know, but well, some people were making comments about it. But basically, his daughter was sort of kicking the ball into an empty net, you know, as you do when you do a sort of a lap of honour, and all the fans were sort of cheering his little little daughter kicking it into the net. It was very cute. Um, but that just sums up the mood. There's a real feeling now. I saw a lot of hacking fans on Twitter yesterday sort of um, watching that derby between uh, the Stockholm derby and wanting AIK to do them a favour. But they've now midweek got to go to AIK and get a result themselves. So they're not far away, Steve. Yeah, I mean, fair play to, to Hacken. I mean, there's no doubt that 1-0 win at your garden was that we might look back on that win and that's where they won the title. But I also feel that the Gif Sundsvall game came at a perfect time. It was just what they needed after such a, a tough game in in Stockholm. Maybe sometimes an emotional come down. They get to face Gif Sundsvall, who are yeah, quite frankly terrible and certainly defensively terrible anyway. And that I think that was a lovely time for them to for that fixtures to come. Now they've got to reset again. 
I would certainly fancy them the last game of the season. If they had to beat North Shipping, I'd fancy them to beat them at home. But before then, there's still some very difficult games to come. And is the key in those three games going to be their defence, do you think, Jonathan? Because it's that defence that's actually quite improved over the course of the season. It's not conceding as many goals as it was in the first half. Yeah, they have improved uh, defensively. They, you know, they've they've improved it all round on the pair of Matic's Hogma. I have to say, the change he's he's brought into hacking has been uh, unbelievable. Like, I didn't really know much about him in terms of, obviously, I know him, you know, in terms of his career, but I've never really studied him as a manager. Um, but if you remember where Hacken were kind of a year and a bit ago, when there were such big expectations and and they they basically flopped massively. Uh, it's like blowing blowing lead out of a balloon and 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 you know blowing all the hot air out of a balloon. People talking about Hacken, talking them up, and, and they did nothing. Um, and you kind of, this is kind of the season after that, where it's like where everyone was like, well, we thought you were going to be good last year and you weren't. So, you know, we don't really care anymore type thing. Um, but yeah, they've, you know, they've they've just upped their game, Steve. They really have. Um, and they've improved offensively. Obviously, Yeremiev has been incredible. Um, and although he's gone off the boil a little bit in recent rounds, he's not, you know, not, not scored um, in a couple of rounds. But you know, just like you said, defensively they've become good. I think they've they've made some great signings in the in the in the window. Gustafsson, um, they've they've strengthened in, in all areas of the pitch. Really, uh, they've brought a lot more experience in, in at the back. Um, players like kind of Hovland and a few others. I think Johan Hammers had a good season. Um, a one maybe little slight worry for them is, of course, uh, Yomiev's got a bit of a knee injury going into this midweek round. So will he will he play or not? I'm um, not sure, but all in all, you know, they're really, um, they're getting a few players obviously back from injury now as well. Mikhail Rygaard, who's been been phenomenal, I think, uh, for them this season. They've just, they've just found, uh, they've almost redeveloped their whole squad and, and just found player after player after player, Steve. Uh, it's almost the opposite of Malmo, really, whom we may speak about, you know, in terms of mm. for every signing they've made, it's kind of, they've improved the team in the last year or so. Whereas with Malmo, it's like every player they've signed, it's, it's just hit and miss, really. It just, they seem to be not getting anything right recruitment-wise. Um, it's the complete opposite for for um, for Hacken, in my opinion. Simon Gustafsson, um, he's had a few injury problems, but he's coming in and done quite well. Yeah, they 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 really look good, and um, they're not far away now. We, if they're going to win this title, they have to earn it. Because I mean, EF Core, for example, they they do not want Hacken winning the title. I can tell you that for sure. So when they play that game, that's going to be that's going to be massive. I wish I was there for that one. Um, and of course, AOK this week, and 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 you know the rest of the running, but. Even if they don't win it, Steve, this has been an incredible season for Hack. And even to make it into Europe is a, is a massive achievement. Mm. Uh, it's just can they can they do the job now? So the point standing, fifty-four points for Heck and Hammerby on forty-nine, Jorgarten on forty-eight. The Jorgarten team have now lost three consecutive games in the league, although they're doing really well in Europe. Um Kalmar in fourth place on forty-seven points. They haven't lost a game in quite some time and continue to impress. Kalmar have still got to play against Hammerby, I do believe. So, Kalmar, I mean, they could uh, potentially finish second here. Definitely, they look like they're finishing the season really well. Icor in fifth place on 47. Feels like Icor being fifth all season, threatening to get into that top three that just can't quite manage it. And then in sixth place, Malmo on 42 points. And I don't even know if it's mathematically possible they could still win the league. I think it is. If you had said that to me, um, if you had, sorry, if I'd asked that to you at the start of the season, with four games la- left, Malmo can't win the title. I mean, you'd have, you'd have la- called me mad, wouldn't you? But um, I mean, of that chasing pack, then we'll talk about Malmo in a minute. But of that chasing pack, who's impressed you the most recently? 
Uh, it has to be Kalmar and Hammerby uh, at the end of the day. Uh, Hammerby are hanging in there. You know, they had a couple of a bit like a bit like Hacken. They went on a, on a sort of a a, a long streak of, of winless games. They went five without winning, uh, lost one and drew four. Um, but then again, they did have another. It was again they had a tough run. They had AIK away, obviously Stockholm derby, um, another Stockholm derby that which they drew against Eurogarden. They had Hacken away and then Malmo away. So uh, then they got smashed by Norwich shopping, but they've recovered well. Two relatively sort of straightforward games, and then they beat Varberg 5-1. They were really good in that game, just blew them away. To be honest, way too good. Uh, Bojanic got some goals. He, he looked good. Basara had a really uh, great game, um, and then it, you know, it kind of it was basically three and a half time, and just after half time, four nil, and the game was done. Um, and then they followed that, followed that up with a really good win against um, Mialbi away three nil again. They blew them away in the first half an hour, basically. Nilsson, Fenger, and Ludvigsen. Um, again, Bizarro played quite well. Again, they just flew it on all cylinders. Uh, really nasty injury, by the way, to Nielsen. It was one of the worst head injuries I've seen. He fell into the goal when he scored. Uh, he had to go off. And uh, I've read today saying it's been stitched up, but it looked really, it looked horrible, to be honest. Really sickening. Um, he fell like straight on his head onto a metal sort of plank. And you could see like blood like, straight away pouring out. It was really nasty. Um, hopefully he recovers well, but that was, yeah, that was a worrying incident. Um, but yeah, Hamby have, have impressed, and I think Kalmar, you've got to give massive praise. I know there's going to be a certain Twitter follower. I think he's asked a question as well, Steve. So you might want to ask me that. But um, <laughs> well, yeah, I think I, I think tongue in cheek, we did talk about them maybe finishing in the medal places. This could happen. They're, they're two points off second. Um, they're not even out of the title race, to be honest. I mean, it's 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 seven points out of with twelve remaining. They're not going to win the title. Let's let's face it. But I mean. You can't rule them out of maybe getting a medal place at this stage, maybe getting European football. Um, Kalmar's rise has been incredible, and especially there's a lot of rumours now linking Riesdrom, who I've talked about a lot. I wrote a Scout blog at the start of this season about him and his tactics, uh, dedicated a whole blog on, on Scout to, to Riesdrom and his coaching style. They have done so well with late. They're unbeaten in their last eight games. They've won three in the, on the bounce. Um, relatively comfortable games, obviously Helsingborg um, and Varnamo. Uh, who they well, Varna was a tough place to go actually, and they, they beat Elsborg away as well, which was a massive result, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, Kalmar are looking really, really good. Then they've got no pressure on them, really. Everyone, no one really thinks they're going to win the league, no one really expects them to do much, and they're just, just sort of under the radar pl- pl- plugging away. They've got Mialbi, Sirius, Hammerby, and Gif Sunsvall to end their season. And, um, you know, they could if Jurgen continues to slip, obviously, Jurgen, then big problem at the moment is balancing European football with, um, with the league because they've been so good in Europe, uh, Diff. You know they really they're they're having some fantastic results. Um, places tough tough teams they've got as well in that group. To be fair to them, um, that they're beating and um, but they're just sort of I think that fatigue is affecting them in the in the derby this weekend. Just gone, um, they lost it. Of course they got a nice little break because of the hooliganism, which we have to talk about. Um, the, the long break that nearly got the game actually called off uh, against AIK, but they lost the game two one um, and. That's three three straight defeats, as you, as you mentioned. So, Kalmar um, um, could sneak in there and get top three. Um, the questions then. Um, actually, I just want to go on. This, this has been asked a couple of times um, about Bilal Hussein. Is he going to stay at AIK after December? Juan Sanchez Ranitia asks, I hope it's pronounced that way. Um, I say, will he stay at AIK after December? And there was someone else that was asking about Bill Hill's sign as well. Uh, it was the same person, I think. 
It's the same person. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Same person. Yeah. This is obviously, uh, I think you're better answering here, Jonathan. I don't know if you know anything about this. Yeah. There's a lot of rumors with Billy Hall saying it's, uh, I think, Juan Sanchez Garnica. I think my Spanish is slightly better than yours, Steve. There. Uh, a lot better than mine. I don't know a word of Spanish. <laughs> but yeah. Thank you to Juan. Um, he says about uh, Billy Hussein's contract as well. According to uh, Transformers, he says it's contract up at the end of the year. There's a lot of rumors with Bilal Hussein. Um, that this is his last year in, in Osvenskan. I think there's been rumours about him for quite some time, to be honest. He was in our 10 to what Osvenskan 10 to watch. If you haven't uh, grabbed that Patreon, there's still got time for it for 2022. Patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast. We, uh, we did a whole video, basically, blog on him. Uh, talked about his key, key attributes, his skills, his, his, his best qualities. Um, I think that, you know, I don't think he's had his best season, if I'm honest. He had a bit of an injury problem at the start of the season. And he came back and looked really good when he came back and he, he had a few assists and contributed really well. But I don't think it's been like a vintage year for him in terms of like really getting the attention of, of big clubs. I think he's been in and out of it, really. Um, he's been linked to a lot of clubs. He's been linked to teams like uh, Celtic. He's been linked to Bologna quite heavily. Um, I think Bologna is maybe a potential destination for him. I kind of I kind of feel like he might end up maybe in, in Holland, uh, Netherlands, somewhere like AZ Alkmaar or kind of a Groningen. You know, they, they recruit a lot from Sweden. Uh, they've got, so for example, Palos Abraham, former AIK. They've got Daleho Erendus, former Beko Hacken. So I'm, I'm not quite sure if Bilal Hussein is ready for Scott Serie A, if I'm being honest. Uh, not like Isaac Heen, slightly different position. Obviously, Hussein's a midfield player, um, good on the ball. But I think he's got quite a lot to learn. I think this season's proved that he's got quite a lot to learn. Um, I think there's a, a huge amount of potential there. I think he's a very good passer. He's quite creative. He's quite sort of intricate and, and clever. But I don't think he's maybe a bit like sort of a Mansvert, you know, you talked about in part one, that kind of tricky midfielder that, you know, I, I tend to like. Um, but I think there's elements of his game, physicality, I think he needs to improve. I, I still think like creativity wise, he's, he's not like top, top level. I think he can improve a little bit more on that. Um, so I think, I don't think he's ready for like a, a, a top league, like maybe Serie A or, or, you know, he's not nowhere near Premier League level yet, in my opinion. He's got the potential. He's, he's a very, very promising young talent. Um, but I don't think he's ready for, you know, I think his next step would be maybe a Belgium or a, or a Netherlands. That would suit him, in my opinion. Um, if a bid comes in, it's a bit like what you said in part one, Steve. If a, if a, if a nice bid comes in, I think AIK would probably be open to, to selling him. I think he is a key man for them, but they've got Yassine Ayari as well in midfield. Obviously, um, Seb Larsen's always, always doing well there. It's going to depend on, you know, who the new manager is, for example. They're still looking for a permanent head coach. I don't think that's been announced yet. Um, so, yeah, in my personal opinion, Maybe someone like I think someone like Fine or or PSV would be a massive great move for him. That's that's my opinion. Mm. So I've got a question for you, Jonathan. Actually, are you are you going to be doing anything for Halloween this year? Are you into Halloween? Are you a Halloween sort of person? <laughs> you know what? I was actually I was actually uh, I don't know where you're leading with this question, but I'm going to tell a bit of an anecdote. I was talking to. Um, I was talking to the missus actually about uh, saying the other day, like, I've never actually really celebrated. I've never actually gone out on Halloween ever really and like, done the whole dressing up thing and all that. And so no is the answer, but I wouldn't mind doing it. You know, so. <laughs> where are you going with this? <laughs> well, I can tell you where I'm going with it because uh, a certain ghost reappeared <laughs> didn't it, on, on, uh, on Sunday in the Derby at the worst possible time for your garden, your garden one, I core two. I think I you you were tweeting on an FP account and you were asking predictions. I straight away came in there and I didn't I say AIK win? 
They, I knew they would win this game. It was, it's the sort of time that your garden would just not deliver. And um, lo and behold, there it, there it came. But it wasn't really the big story from this match, was it? The actual result necessarily. There was several incidents inside the stadium which uh, led to a delay. Yeah, it was pretty. Let's be honest, pretty nasty scenes. Mm. Um, got, I mean, I've, I've said this. I said this on the last show. I said there's been a lot of stoppages in Osvenskan this season where games just a get lot, stopped like ten, ten minutes. I mean, some of it's been because people have like collapsed and you know, unsavory incidents. You know, fans in the stadium maybe having a, an illness or something like that, and um, games stopping. And I did say, you know, it's been. I've noticed been like almost every week that there seems to be like a game will get stopped for like five, ten minutes and. You know, the problem in England, obviously, Steve, we don't have English uh, commentary. So sometimes there's, there's no commentary at all. So you're just kind of watching a blank. You're just watching a screen and wondering what's going on. And sometimes it can be worrying. You see, like, you know, I remember the, um, I think it was Degafors Jurgen game, where like, people are running everywhere and everyone's like frantic and it's, it's like quite scary. You don't know what's happening. Um, but obviously it was pretty clear what was going on on Sunday. Um, basically, Jurgen and AIK fans started chucking flares at each other. Um, I think the Swedish police have come out today and said it's a victory for hooliganism and basically uh, said that the hooligans have been celebrating because they nearly got the match called off. Stadium had to be evacuated, par- partially evacuated because of the people chucking flares. Obviously, it's quite serious. Live flares being chucked at, at people. Um, there was an eyewitness account saying, you know, for, for children and stuff, I think, you know, like fans came out of the stadium. And there was one sort of mini report saying that, you know, um, the, the, the fans, children were really, really like traumatised by what they saw and loads of fights and stuff going off. You know, these two don't like each other one bit. Jurgarden, they call it the twin derby. But, um, you know, these are like evil twins. You know, they don't, there's there's no love loss between these two. Um, but you're right, in terms of matters on the pitch, I mean, it was really bad off the pitch in terms of just, I think, for such a showpiece game at such a crucial time. I mean, if the game had been called off, it would have been a disgrace because uh, AOK were comfortably winning at that point. And they were, you know, it was almost like Jurgarden maybe wanted wanted the game to be called off. Um, AOK were much the better team, in my opinion. I think it may fatigue probably maybe did play a bit of a part in it. It's been a massive issue, I think, for Malmo and Jurgen, just balancing the two. I think it really does affect Osvenskan teams because they really have to raise their level in Europe. You know, they're not used to that kind of um, playing teams like Union Berlin or, again, you know, those, they're even Molder, obviously, in, in Jurgen's group. They're not used to that that kind of level at times. And then you, you you play two or three days later and to raise it again is tough. Smaller squads, it's not like it's not like the Premier League where, you you know, you can rotate. Um I think it does really affect them, and Jurgen have massively been affected by it. And um, but yeah, no. In terms of the ghost, it was quite a funny uh, tweet on uh, AIK's account after the match finished. They said, uh, "When the when the when the game ended, they 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 tweeted, Derby Kings again. This result means that AIK is still undefeated at Jurgen's home after ten seasons. So since uh, Garden moved into this, I think." I think they're they're new arena. It's an incredible head to head that they. I mean, never obviously they have. Game. They did they did beat them early in the season in the reverse fixture, I think, didn't they? And they yeah. have had a bit more success in these derbies, but they there really needed the result. There was an interesting little uh, poll as well. Hacking fans got together during this match, and they they put a poll out and they said, "Which of the Stockholm teams do you do you dislike the least?" And it was Hammerby, Eurogarden, <laughs> or. Uh, obviously, Hacken fans were all wanting AIK to win this match for the title. And there was a poll going around, and it was said, you know, which of the, do you, which of the teams do you dislike the least, Jurgarden, AIK, or Hammerby? A lot of the rationale was basically saying Hammerby are, the, I'm quoting from Twitter users, I'm not going to name them, but 
a lot of the opinion from the discourse from the Hammerby uh, Hacken fans was Hammerby are m- more plastic. They're the more plastic. So basically, AIK won the poll. They said they're the most likable Stockholm team. Really? Right. They said that Hammerby fans are all plastic and they don't want, they don't like them. They said Eurogarden fans are too arrogant uh, in their 20,000 krona jackets. Um, think they think they're the big, 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 big dogs. And they said that AIK are not so bad and they're more likable. Now, I know 100%. If there's a Eurogun fan listening to this pod or a Hammerby fan, we're going to get tweets and saying, how dare you and stuff like that. I'm just saying what was said on Twitter. I'm not, this is not my opinion. Um, but it was an interesting poll nonetheless, just getting a bit of a gauge for who, who, which teams in Stockholm, um, other teams in Sweden like. But yeah, basically, long story short, ARK dealt a massive blow to Eurogun's title hopes. Um, I almost wonder if ARK might think of losing on midweek to Hacken. I might, you know, might they just sort of? Well, like, I, I thought that. And like then I looked at they're thing, still you know? in the they're still in the hunt for medals, aren't they? I think if I call weren't in the hunt for medals, they would probably would throw the game, yeah, because they absolutely hate each other. It's an they, interesting. They, one. I mean, the, the fans would, the, the, the players would never throw a game, of course. Um, no, which is a key part. But but I think fans would be. There's no way fans want to beat Hacken and then let Uruguay come mm. in and nick the title. That's for sure. Well, you um, don't you don't throw a game, do you? You just kind of. Um, you just, sometimes it's just hard to get yourself up, isn't it? It's just the way it is in football sometimes. So that's a good question. I, I mean, who do you think is my favourite of those three teams? I know you're a Hamby fan. Well, the thing is, I'm not necessarily. It's like I don't really. Oh, I'd probably lean Hammerby, but only because Marty Fuentes is there now. It's like I don't, I don't hate any of them teams. I don't really have a strong affiliation with either. It's kind of I'm kind of fascinated by all three. It's an interesting one. With me, I, I so like out of three. Which would you choose? You can't just, you can't just, I, you know, I, I can't choose. And I'm not People a normally offense sitter. <laughs> I'm not normally offense here. I mean, I'm no point asking you because it. I won't get an answer. I but, know the answer, um, really. It's because it's EF core because you, 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 you started liking that their anthem before the match. You know, you, the, 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 the oh, in Gothenburg, definitely. I'll be, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. In Gothenburg, definitely, EF core is my favorite team. Well, anyway, if you're an ARK, Hammerbeat, or Eurogun fan, tell us uh, which of the teams you hate the most. And if you're just a general Allsvenskan listener, tell us which of the Stockholm teams do you like the most or dislike the most. I'm interested to get a bit of a gauge because that was the opinion from Hacken, but I'd like to know the general opinion as well. It's, it's always That kind of thing always interests me. There were some really interesting mm. comments from Hacken, but some of them I can't repeat because it's uh, they're a bit naughty. But, um, yeah, let, let, let's move on, obviously. Like I say, yeah, ARK, we, we need to, yeah. We 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 got to talk about Malmo, Malmo before this podcast finishes. So they're down in sixth place. It's been terrible. I've actually watched a couple of their games in Europe recently, and it's been dire football. Um, but the latest nail in their coffin is is this defeat to EF Core on Monday evening, a match that they seem to be in full control of and somehow lost. Jonathan, but what a terrible domestic season for for Malmo. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I don't know if you're going to read out the results from this week, um, but uh, they've lost 2-1 uh, this evening as we record to to EFK Jotoborg. I did say before the match, this is, this is uh, I said on Twitter, this is kind of a game where they don't, there's not really like a local, it's not like a local rivalry, um, but they're just, it's almost a bit like maybe, not Liverpool, maybe like Liverpool-Arsenal type thing, you know, kind of like two two really big clubs in 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 um, in, in the country. But not necessarily like a local rivalry. Maybe Man United. Maybe Man United. You could argue Man United, Arsenal, um, two of the most successful teams in in Swedish Swedish football history. Um, they just don't like each other. There was comments before the game where they said that I would love to 
I think someone, I think one of the EF core players said, oh, I would love to sort of put a spanner in the works and cost Malmo European football. Um, so, you know, there's that kind of just, they just don't really like each other. And essentially that win for Goth, Goth, uh, EF core puts Malmo's title hopes to bed now. They're, they're 12 points away. They're not going to win the league. They might not even finish anywhere near the top three. It's going to be probably the lowest finish in at least uh, four or five years. Um, it's been a disastrous season for them, Stephen. And I've seen a lot of fans coming out basically and saying that they want massive changes at the club. Uh, they finished third in 2018. You know, they they apart from that, they've pretty much been second most of the time or first. Um, so for them to be finishing, you know, maybe fifth or sixth at this moment in time is is a real kind of disaster, to be honest. Um, I think the sort of interim manager thing hasn't worked. I don't think they were decisive enough when they got rid of Milos Milojevic. They brought in the sporting director, Andreas Georgsson. He's taking a lot of flack now from the fans, really, because obviously he's in charge of the the general recruitment and and then obviously he took interim charge and, and it went even worse. They've now got Arga Herida and a lot of people are saying, well, it's not re- not much he can do. But I thought tonight in the EF Core game, I thought he got it. I thought the substitutions he made, they, they were in complete control of this match. And then all, all of a sudden, uh, he made a few changes, brought, brought Zidane off, brought one or two others off. And um, I felt like they just gave away the game. A massive uh, howler from one of the substitutes as well um, that let in uh, Gustav Norlin for a tap-in, absolute comedy goal. And then a bullet header from Johansson, brilliant header from a corner um, to to sort of win the game for you. Caught out of nowhere. I thought Malmo would go on. Kisa Tellen scored. I thought they would go on and win this comfortably. There was a period of 20 minutes or so in the early second half where they were just in complete control and you felt like they're going to easily win this. EF Core have been in quite bad form, actually, in recent weeks, not playing well. Um, but yeah, I've no way EF Core got, got the win and move move um, move themselves into seventh place. Malmo in sixth now. Uh, they're five points off fifth. And with only four games remaining, it's, it's really looking like they're going to stress, of course, with European football to battle as well. They've, they've lost all of their games in Europe. They're out of Europe already. Um, so they lost a, a late penalty against the Union, Union Berlin. It's just... Eight, eight defeats out of 26 games for a team like Malmo with all the finances and money behind them. I think there's going to be a major inquest into Malmo at the end of the, end of the season that might end in a few people a little bit higher than the manager, potentially um, having some scrutiny on their on their positions. I, I watched that game against Union Berlin. I thought they actually defended quite well. They offered absolutely nothing going forward and that's been a big problem for them this season. Um, and it was only a 1-0 uh, defeat. I thought they deserved a draw, to be honest. No idea how Union Berlin the top of the Bundesliga, by the way. But, um, yeah, in terms of that match tonight, I mean, I mean, Malmo themselves have had more managers than Watford this year, haven't they? It's incredible. And EF Core, I was just... I wonder if that win might have almost saved Mikkel Starr's job because he it, it just seems to get into this rut of results sometimes. And I, I do wonder still if he, he, he does he need to beat Hecken in a couple of weeks' time to really get back in the in the flavour with the fans because they were horrendous for an hour in, in this game. They didn't even have a shot for an hour. I mean, that is appalling. But that mistake and then the place was rocking, wasn't it, after the equaliser? And and I think they fed off the emotion of the fans. And um, I, you, I think I always felt from like the 70th minute onwards, they were the most likely team to win. So, yeah, just shows you to stay in a football game. Only 1-0 down and you're always in, in the contest, aren't you? So, um, tough times for Malmo. And let's see how yeah, high I they mean, finish. It was, that, it was, it was um, I have to say, I think it, I, I, uh, it was Oscar Levick who made the error, by the way. I think I said, I think I said Reeks. But um, it was Levick, he's come out and sort of apologised and, and said... You know, 
said sorry. There's a really, really uh, great quote I've got to say, Steve, from uh, Dennis Hansen She came out and said, uh, We are like Santa Claus this season. We only give out Christmas presents everywhere we go. <laughs> um, and yeah, they, you know, they were, as he said after the game, they were in control in the first half. They felt like they were in control. Um, he, of course, didn't create anything. And then they give away a cheap goal and, and then they, they let them win the game, basically. Um, I think. Uh, Levitsky came out and said he feels feels terrible for what he did in terms of the mistake um, but I think there's a lot of talk about maybe will Herrera get a new contract um, I think you, you you know you mentioned they're going forward I, I think the, the, the attack is so disjointed they, they really need I think a massive sit down obviously we had their um, chief scout didn't we Robin Astahead he's a new chief scout obviously we had him on the podcast about a year ago um, I think they really need a sit down because the, the recruitment's just kind of like the, up front today. They have Buya Toure, um, Kisa Tellin, and I forget who else was on uh, up front for them. I think it was, I know Toivonen came on. Um, just trying to remember who was up front, Steve. It's completely, it's completely left me, but they're just so disjointed up front. Like there's no sort of patterns of play going forward. Zidane came in, in into the midfield. He's, he was dropped for recent games. They don't really have much speed like Buya Toure. I've been a massive fan of his when he was at Eurogarden, been a brilliant player in Osvenskan, in my opinion, but he's no, he's been nowhere near the level. I think Malmo fans have really kind of got on his back. I heard booze when he was taken off. I don't know if that was from EF Core fans or not, but um, they just seem really disjointed in attack, uh, really turgid. They don't have much pace. Um, I think the recruitment's been really kind of... They're just they're lacking a lot of areas. They're quite an ageing team. Which is mad, isn't it? He's done quite well, but he's he's a bit old now in terms of... You know, he was there. He was. He went away and came back again. He was brilliant two years ago. Fired him to the title, basically under Thomason. Um, Toivonen to missed a massive chance to make it two-two. He was so good two years ago. Had a long injury last season. Was out for several months, and he's not been the same player. It's just, just in general, that there's no real like inspiring players at Malmo that you can maybe even the fans can sort of look at and go, yeah, you're my man. Who you can get behind? I saw a comment on Twitter saying. Um, Bring back Herida and Ismail Diawara, the goalkeeper, and, and leave everyone else in Gothenburg. And that's pretty much the vibe at the moment. There's no one really that um, the fans kind of take to. So I think there's real question marks about Malmo's recruitment yeah. over the past year. Well, I think we'll call it there. It's been a long episode. So uh, unfortunately, uh, maybe we'll have to leave relegation talk until next time. Not an awful lot has changed down there anyway, Jonathan. But um Always uh, good to hear from you, my friend. A midweek round coming up, of course, for Sweden, which is interesting. And uh, by the time we next talk, well, we might be on the cusp of potentially a champion. So um, it's going to be interesting times ahead. Do remember to follow us on the socials at Nordic Footpod, at Meatman Soccer, at JF Football. And uh, we continue this mega busy period of football. Uh, everything's got to be fitted in before the World Cup. Yeah, and I just want to address one final question. Uh, we had a question from Partying Like Santa uh, at Leda2891. He says, will Biko Hakan be crowned champions? I am going to say yes. Well, there was one other question here from Carlos. Um, Adres Nino, is Voloenga the most followed team in Norway home and away? The answer is no. The answer to that question is Frederick Stapp. Is that yeah, actually Rosenborg? No, no, it's actually Rosenborg. But I, I was kind of quite happy to see Frederick start win today, so I'm kind of full of them. Yeah, you are talking about them a lot. They are one of the biggest followers, though. They are followed well. Just on them, as just on um, uh, we're not going to talk about relegation this week, but just on the uh, Super Etten, 
it's looking like Bromer Poikina could be coming back to Osvenskan along with Halmstad. Both of them are quite clear at the top. Uh, I think Oster's a third. I'm going for it, but it's looking like Bromer Poikina will be back. So um, that'll be all for this show. Thanks so much, Steve. And uh, you've already said where we can find you, but we, we hope to have a bonus episode on Patreon. I, I need to sort of uh, give my apologies because it's been my fault, really, in terms of um, absence lately. I've been quite, quite um, hectic period for me snowed under so uh, there's no, no culpability on steve's plate if you want to scream at anyone tweet me very valiant um, of you jonathan very <laughs> but, val- uh, valiant we will, of you we will try and continue that as the home stretch comes in and bring you as much content as we can um so yeah that'll be it for this week steve good to talk to you and i'm bromma poikina a team though the wheels were set in motion by a certain mr sean constable that's all i'll say so uh <laughs> All the best, Jonathan. It's been a pleasure. Take care, everyone. Stay safe, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Congrats to Mulder. Take care, everyone. Bye.